Thanks for joining us for the Changing the Industry podcast, where we try to effectuate change for the better, one conversation at a time. Part of that change is providing help for those that need it. This is why we've partnered with the Institute for Automotive Business Excellence. Whether it's help with sales, operations, or just getting your numbers in order, these folks are some of the very best in the industry. And for our listeners, they'll sit down with you and go over your strengths, your weaknesses, and the opportunities that are in front of you. They'll create a customized plan for how to move forward absolutely free. That's right, free. And if your plan includes one-on-one coaching, they can also help you with that. There's no hard sales pitch, no obligation, just honest help from honest people. So if that's something that you think could benefit you, make sure you click on the link in the show notes. And now, on to the show. I remember how it used to be. The phone's ringing off the hook. Clients are coming in the front door like crazy. And here comes little technician Timmy. Timmy comes up and he says, hey boss, where's my part? Where you want me to go next? What you want me to do? Gosh, Timmy, if I knew, I'd tell you, buddy, but I am covered up. All of that stopped when I found Shopware. With Shopware, you get an industry-leading expediter right there in the software. It tells you if your parts are here, where your technician should go next, and how much time they have left to complete the jobs in the day. Go to GetShopware.com to learn more. GetShopware.com. Well, I wasn't yelling. I was being I was being stern. You haven't heard me yell, just so you know. And I'm still smiling. Hey folks, Lucas here, and welcome to this week's episode of the ASOG Podcast. Today's guest is a 31-year veteran of the automotive service industry. Known for speaking his mind and telling it like it is, he's been helping automotive service businesses create and implement a plan for their success after years of running some of the most successful independent shops in the United States. In fact, one was ranked by MotorAge in the top 10 for three years in a row. That's right, we're talking to Cecil Bullard and his son Kent. Now, you might be wondering why this episode is titled, Why All the Yellow? And you'll quickly find that David and Cecil have some differing opinions. We'd love your feedback on who you feel is right. And I've got to say thank you. After last week, we saw a wave of new listeners, reviews, and YouTube subscribers. But the work isn't done yet. Please continue to share the show with your friends on social media. Leave us a review or subscribe to the YouTube channel. Each time you do, you encourage David to be a little bit less ornery and mean. Now, here we go. I don't know, man. I wanted to hang out with these guys till like nine o'clock tonight. Uh, isn't that what we did you last know, time? Like, like last time, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had a good time. I thought it was fun. It was a very. Yeah, I thought it was fun episode. too. Now I'm hurt. Nine o'clock your time, so that's not nine o'clock my time. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Cecil, how you doing, buddy? I'm great. I am really good. good. That's fantastic, Kent. What you up to, man? How you been? I'm just chilling, man. I'm uh, just chilling. hanging out. Yeah. Like a villain, right? There you go. Um, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, very cool. Well, very cool. Uh, I hear that you guys got some really important, some really cool stuff to talk about. Um, Cecil, so you've, you've kind of headed up the independent coaching world for a long time, right? Like you've, you've been the one that everybody looks up to, especially when it comes to pricing and uh, what we charge and, and how the business is supposed to operate. Sounds like Kent's kind of coming up behind you, learning to take the reins. 
Um, and you said you've got some just really important, really cool information. Why don't you share it? Why don't you tell us where we're going with this? Well, I, I don't know about all that. I'm, I'm definitely a vocal person in the industry and, uh, I think I have the respect of probably most of the other coaches. Um, I agree, but, but, um, you know, I, I've been thinking about the, the tech issue and, uh, and how do we solve that? Because, you know, Coaches, we get together and we have these conversations and we talk about the tech issue and we talk about ways that we might, you know, get better, more techs coming into our industry. But nobody ever comes up with a solution. Right. So I wrote a, I don't know, a, a document, uh, I don't know, four or five pages long. It's It's been called a white paper by some of the other guys in the industry, but I, I kind of sent it to you and some of the coaches and some of the other uh, people I respect in the industry. And I said, you know, what do you think? Right. Um, and the, and the whole gist around it was we have to do something different in the future where we're going to get the same thing we have now, which is not enough tax. Right. Uh, I don't, I don't know about you, but I would tell you 95% of my clients need a tech, a good tech. Right. And, and they can't, they're running ads and, and a lot of them, they're not getting anything for months. Not one reply, not, not one viable potential technician. And so in, in my white sheet, you know, it's my belief that the problem is that potential technicians, young kids, and I mean young, junior high, high school, maybe even elementary school, and their parents, they don't understand where the automotive industry has come in the past 25 years. Right. So 25 years ago, you know, we were grease monkeys. We were mechanics who got dirty and, and um, you know, I don't know, overcharged or didn't fix their cars right or ripped them off or, or whatever. But today's technician really needs to understand much more than I ever did. Um, you know, computers, I was talking to Kent earlier today about it, you know, not, not just electrical and how electrical works and electric works in a vehicle, but also computer systems. And now we're talking about, uh, electric vehicles and hybrids and, you know, uh, generators instead of, uh, gas engines and everything is controlled by the computer system. And so, you know, where I was rebuilding carburetors and doing upper control arm bushings, there's still going to be upper control arm bushings to do, but there aren't any more carburetors. And, right. and it's a different world. And to me, the problem in our industry is is one of marketing. It's one of advertising. Um, you know, Mark Twain said, uh, even you can make, I'll, I'll mess it up. I always mess up my quotes, but he basically said, you can make a mediocre product good with marketing with advertising and so we have a here we have an industry where you, you literally need you know not just a good four-year education where you understand electric and hydraulics and you know braking systems and you know computer systems etc but you also need to have um you know probably at least four years of experience uh to be successful in this industry. Correct. Yeah, as a, absolutely. As a I agree. And I agree. At least for at least four years. And and you know, I I talk to a lot of shops and, and I don't mean to interject into your your thought process here, but I talk to a lot of shops who 
they've either attempted or they think they can bring someone directly out of high school and throw Lucas and I have been telling you about parts tech for a while now and how it gives you access to unlimited parts and tire vendors and direct integration with over 35 shop management systems. And now they've just launched a new referral program. All you have to do is open your parts tech account, go to my shop and click on the rewards tab. There you'll find your referral URL, which you can share via email, text message, or on your social media. If your referral signs up for a new account and places five orders in the first 30 days, Parts Tech will send you a $100 gift card. That's it. Nothing else is needed. Your referrals can get you $100 just for using Parts Tech, which by the way, is absolutely free to get started with. So if you're using Parts Tech already, start sharing that referral link. And if you haven't signed up for Parts Tech yet, what are you waiting for? Click on the link in the description or go to partstech.com forward slash podcast. That's partstech.com forward slash podcast. Hey, one more thing. If you find out that your shop management system doesn't integrate with Parts Tech, it's time to upgrade. David and I use what we believe to be the very best system on the market, shopware. With unmatched features like Parts GP Optimizer and DVX, which is their digital vehicle experience, Shopware really is way more than just a shop management software. With it, you'll be able to create an immersive and interactive experience for your client, setting you apart from everyone else using run-of-the-mill software. Are you ready to upgrade? Click the link in the show notes to get started. Throw them into a bay and say, be a technician. I'm like, it's going to take three to five years. And they're like, I don't have three to five years. I'm like, I understand that. It doesn't matter. Right. If you have it or not, that's what it's going to take. Exactly. You know, exactly. you, you, you get the, you get the, it's like professional sports. You have, you have some guys that, that are exceptional and they're exceptional because of just their DNA and the way their brains work or whatever. But it's, right. it's a very, very small percentage that most of the people that play professional sports have years of experience that have made them good at what they do. And it's the same Fixing cars. I know. I, I remember when I started. I knew nothing. In fact, I was so bad that the first time I changed oil on a vehicle, I couldn't figure out where to put the oil in. But I knew it went in that thing on top. You know that kind of round thing, right? And and so I ended up pulling a PCV valve off and trying to put the oil in there, and it spilled all over the engine. And my dad and his partner came out, and they were like, "You know what'd you do?" And I'm like, "Oh man, I think I really messed up." And they were laughing at me, of course, you know, I had to clean up the oil and, <laughs> but, but I knew, I knew nothing, but you know, I think two years later I was a good B tech. And I think two years after that, I was a, a really good A tech. Um, and today it, it's more complicated. So, so back to the, back to the original thing, you know, when, when parents think about sending their kids into a profession to be able to take care of themselves, being a mechanic is not on the list, you know, uh, being a doctor, a, a teacher, uh, a college professor, all of those things are on the list, right. but being the a mechanic tech is mogul, not on the list, you know? Yeah. And, and so, you know, my solution is that we need marketing and advertising to, to move our, our industry forward. We need marketing and advertising and there's a second thing that we need absolutely, and that is we need to be able to hire that kid out of school 
he needs to be better educated to understand the job better. And we need two to four years to teach that kid. And he's got to be, he or she has to be able to make a living in the meantime. Yeah, absolutely. And you can't, you can't hire somebody for 18 bucks an hour and expect (laughs) that they're going to buy $10,000 worth of tools and, and take care of their family or even start a family or have a family or have anything that the gener that the younger generations want. Exactly. It, it's not in the cards. And, and you know, you, you really, this resonates with me, right? Because we're, we're in a high cost of living area, right? And, and in a lot of ways, if you wanted to go buy a house right now, man, you would be in tough shape. I mean, it would not be easy to go out right now and buy a house in my community. It wouldn't be easy to go rent a house in my community. It'd be pretty tough financially to do that. So let me ask you, and, and you know, this really, this really speaks because just today, actually, maybe it was yesterday, this post comes up. It says, what are y'all paying or offering for tax? Lost a, de- a decent CTEC today that I was paying $16 an hour with a week of paid holidays. And haven't had to uh, professionally put an ad out until now, right? A C-Tech, yeah. $16 an hour. And and genuinely, right? Like we get to the bottom of this, this thread. And he gets down there and he's like, man, if I had known that everybody else was paying this much more, I would have done something different. But but Cecil, there's so many gotta, of these. Think about ahead. it. I mean, 16 bucks an hour. How, how do you? You, know, you make more McDonald's. Week, you're making $640? Or is that right? Six forty. Yeah. yeah. And after taxes, you're taking home less than two grand a month. Yeah. And, and you can't even you rent a place that? for that. How do you well, rent? You can't even rent a small apartment for that in most places today. Well, so I, I guess my my next question is right, and this is something that David and I have talked about multiple times. Um, I've been in a couple of shops recently who have been fighting through this, and and. I think techs look at this, the techs that are in the industry now and are leaving, look at this as they're greedy owners and they're unwilling to pay us. And I I am seeing more and more that oftentimes it's uneducated owners. It's an owner who does not know how to properly manage the business. It's an owner who doesn't know. and, And I'm sure there's greedy owners out there. I get that. I'm sure there's some who are, uh, you know, uh, falsely keeping their their labor rates low by paying their technicians less, so they feel more competitive in the marketplace. But you know, we we had somebody that we discussed. We did a reaction video to one of their emails they sent us, and he says, "Hey, I'm doing David. How much was it? Was it 1.5 or two million a year? Do you remember? 1.4 million. 1.4 million dollars a year, and he says, I have no money." Yeah, I have no money. Oh my god! Imagine that, right? Right, and like, <laughs> and, and I, I, I guess my my question for you is, how do we cross this bridge? I'm I, I'm in a community where all of the shops are charging much less. If if you talk to them about me, oftentimes they're saying, "I can't believe he's charging that much." I just don't think it's fair to the clients. Well, there'll be a the, as as our industry progresses forward from here, there's right. going to be a real separation between the haves and the have-nots. Okay. And and I don't mean to I don't mean to be an elitist cuz I'm really not. I I really want every shop in the United States to have what they need to be successful. The problem right. is if they're afraid to charge their customers and and let's let's just call it what it is, I'm afraid to charge, then 
then they're going to go they're going to go broke. And if they don't believe that they should make a legitimate profit out of their business, then they're going to go broke. And 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 they're going to be paying the $16 an hour to the CTEC who they're not going to keep. Um right. Uh, let me so you know, 20, I don't know, 35 years ago or so I was working for my dad and I was running his shop and we had a guy down the street that worked at a shell station and uh this guy was, he was a nice guy, but he would take cars apart and he would get them apart and he couldn't figure out how to put them back together. Right. So, you know, he'd pull the carburetor off because he thought there was a problem with the carburetor. He'd have it in 15,000 pieces and then he'd call us and the car would show up on a tow truck with a box with all the pieces in it. <laughs> and this happened, I don't know, f- three to five times a week, every week. Oh, and, uh, and we would fix it and drive it back up to the shell station which was less than a block and then we walked back and and when we were have you know when we were having a beer after work we were making fun of this guy because he didn't know how to fix cars and and he was a nice guy but we were like this guy's an idiot right you know because we had that experience and and so i I left my dad's shop it came a point where my dad was like he was just stuck he couldn't go in the future he couldn't he couldn't perceive a time where a shop would be charging a hundred bucks an hour because right. he wasn't worth it. I mean, he, he grew up, you know, a uh, fifth grade education, you know, went to work at a Ford dealership when he was 12 to, because he had to help the family out, never got really educated. And he always thought of himself as a second class citizen. You know, right. I'm not like a doctor. I don't have that kind of education. I'm not that smart. And yet my dad could drive a car around the block and tell you everything that was wrong with it. I mean, everything. He was a genius when it came to fixing cars. And and so there came a point where, you know, I looked at my family. I said, man, we're going to have our third child, which is Kent. And I can't I, afford to to be in the shop much longer and be able to have three <laughs> children. So I left. Right. And, you know, I called my dad, I don't know, maybe six months later. And I said, you know, how's it going? He said, oh, it's terrible. You know, I can't, I can't hire anybody. I can't blah, blah, blah. And guess who he had working for him? <laughs> that guy from down that the street. Guy. And the reason why was because he couldn't afford to hire an ATEC, a guy who really knew what was going on. He he didn't have anything to offer. When I left his shop, we were 70 bucks an hour. And when I left his shop, it, this was 1980, say two. And when I left his shop, he lowered his labor rate to 60 bucks an hour. And we, we didn't have customers complaining. I mean, we're in Palm Springs, hell, you know, a very wealthy environment. We didn't have customers complaining that we were too expensive. In dad's head, he just thought, I can't, you know, he he believed that he needed to starve his whole life right. and work hard. That that was how he was raised. And and I think we have these guys who are who are you know, they're making a reasonable wage. Reasonable meaning they're making fifty, sixty thousand a year. They're working their butts off, you know, sixty hours a week. Um, you know, they're struggling. They got a, a truck that they like, they get themselves a nice truck and they pay for the gas and the insurance. And they think that's being successful in their, in their shop. And when they look at someone like yourself who builds a bigger shop and, you know, you're doing, I don't know what you're doing, but say two and a half million and you're making four or 500,000, they go, oh, that guy's ripping customers off. Well, wait a right. minute. That's not true. You know, well, whole, in his case, it actually is, but well, it might, it might be. I mean, we all know Lucas, but <laughs> that's no, it. I, I'm just a I, terrible, Lucas terrible is a very person. honest guy. Um, <laughs> at least in my experience. So, well, thank you. I'm honest. So, you know, the we need we need to be able to better hire, marketing. 
a sea tech out. Well, well, we need to have a, a an environment <laughs> that is attractive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we need to have an environment that's attractive. So I need a clean shop. I need the high end tools. I need edge. I need to be able to pay and insist that my technicians go to training and learn how to work on, you know, the new cars and the new stuff and, and that they really understand how many guys do we have in our industry today that they couldn't, um, program a car if, if their life depended on it or they couldn't, couldn't hardly diagnose an electrical problem. I mean, I, I got guys, they talk about their techs and they go, you know, I got this really good tech, you know, you give him a water pump or a radiator or a oil pan he can whoop it out. But man, if you ask him to diagnose a runnability problem, couldn't for the life of him get it done, you know? And, and as cars get more sophisticated, as time goes by, if you're not figuring out how to diagnose check engine lights, runnability problems, computer stuff, forget it. You're not going to be in the industry. And, and so in my shop, not only do I have to be able to pay well to the tech, but I also have to have a really nice environment for that tech. It, it has well, to be you know, clean. It, it has you to know look something good. else ha- that. Go ahead. Um, sorry, I was like, you know, something else that people I don't think people are, are realizing is that you're not just marketing. Like, say you're trying to attract a technician to your shop, you're not just marketing in competition with the other shops around you. You're actually marketing to all of the other, or in competition with all of the other blue collar uh, businesses out there. Right. Yeah. Of course. Any well, any today, perspective maybe not person who's going to be coming into this space, they have options. They could go do HVAC. They could go do plumbing. They could go do elect electrical so, uh, soldering or uh, you know that that kind of a thing and make a lot more money than with a lot less headaches. And so your I, marketing is not just competing against other businesses, but it's also competing against those other trades. I drove through the local McDonald's and they got a sign saying seventeen bucks an hour to flip right. burgers. I mean. And and you want to hire a tech who's got to buy? The first year I was in a, a tech, I spent five grand on tools, and I did that every year for the first ten years right. of, of being a tech. And 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 you want you want to pay me sixteen or eighteen bucks an hour and compete with the local? It's easier to go to work at McDonald's, frankly. It it is, and and so you know I, I've got a couple questions though, right? Like yeah. so, when we talk about this, you know. Look, I'm I've I've been going through this deal with um building a shop. Mm-hmm. And and I was talking to Carolyn from Shopware today. We had a really great conversation. Some of the things we talked about it, it she said, "Why why do you feel like I didn't exactly say that we needed uh regulation. I did say I felt like we needed a needed a barrier of entry, right? Yes. Yeah. And so she said, "Why do you feel that way?" And I said, "Carolyn, because I have been building a shop and I know what it feels like to have people that you think should be your advocate and they're not your advocate. And I understand the difference between someone who made money working on this job and someone who tried to do it for a lesser amount and did not make money, right? That did not have the tools that did not have, you know, there were cases where, I would have expected them to come to me and say, Lucas, uh, what you're asking for is not possible. Let me show you what your options are, right? Or, hey, here's the direction we should go. Here's the information you need. Instead, they just kind of stood there and looked at me and said, oh, what do you want us to do, right? Yeah. And so I I guess my question is this. With ASOG, 
and our groups of training, right? You, you guys go to all the same trainings we do. Mm -hmm. Um, we might reach what? 1%. Do you think we reach 1%? I think we reach close to 15. You think so? Yeah. All in, in all areas. Okay. So, so there's a, there's a law. I don't know what the law is. It's not Prieto's law. It's, I don't know, some law out there. And, and there's, there's, um, about 15% of any organization that excels. There's about 15% that fails constantly. Right. And then there's about 60 to 70% in the middle that uh, they do mediocre. They're okay, but they're not excelling and they're not failing. Okay. And right. so I would tell you that we probably reach, there's about 250,000 shops, about a million people working in the automotive industry. You know, if you, if you put the math together and we probably reach 20,000, maybe 25,000 shops. I don't know. What right. is that percentage? So 10%. Right. Um, but the, but the, the problem is, is that the same 10% are, are going to all the trainings and the rest are not. Right. So, right. so, and, and, and you have guys in your neighborhood that are probably under a hundred dollars an hour. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've got and, guys and, in my neighborhood are charging 50 and 60 an hour, not marking their parts up. Yeah. And, the, and they're, they're busy and they think that is success, right? Yeah. And then yep. you've got, I mean, I have clients that are over $230 an hour and I have, my average client is probably 160, 170. Okay. And they're all over the country. So, and up in Canada and the guys that are actually have the best businesses, most consistent businesses, best customers, blah, blah, blah. They're the guys that are charging the higher amounts. Right. And then there's always the guy in town who's going to be doing, you know, the discount, whatever for the discount customer. And it, it, it doesn't matter what we do. That's going to exist unless, unless there's like huge regulation in the industry, which I'm not necessarily for. I think right. there should be a barrier to entry. I think that the industry needs some regulation, but it needs to be industry regulation, not government regulation. I can, and, and, and my, unfortunately, I believe that the first time someone takes a self-driving car out and fixes it and doesn't fix it right and somebody gets killed, the government's going to step in and say, you guys, meaning all of us that are in the independent side, you don't know enough to work on these cars. And so we're going to make it so you can't. Right. And, and they're going to have the justification to do that. Uh, and the dealers and those, you know, those powers that be who are spending money on marketing or spending money on lobbying are going to uh, have the ability at that point to pull a lot more of the market in. And, so, and unfortunately, we, unless we do something now, I see that as an inevitable outcome. And, and I, in, in a lot of ways, I don't disagree with you, right? I, I think that is something that, that is very possible. So, you know, what do you say to the guy who has got that super cheap shop in town? Because that's one of the big things Stop. we always hear. Stop. Knock it off. <laughs> Stop. I mean, think right. about this. Think about this. Um, you know, I did, I, I did, I'm a math guy, so I do these spreadsheets and crazy stuff because it's me. That's what I do. So, so in, uh, in, in 1980, we were about 70 bucks an hour. So I took that and I multiplied it times 3% to the year 2023. So if every year we had a 3% cost of labor increase, cost of, of, um, Inflation. Uh, what we, inflation, an inflationary increase, just 3%, which is what the inflation has been over 75 years. 
right now there wouldn't be a shop in the United States less than $230 an hour. Right. And we have guys that are in the 50s and 60s. And I, I understand you don't know anything. You want to start your shop. You've got a lot of friends who you've been working on their cars in your garage at 50 or 60 bucks an hour. But now you're going to rent a facility and take on more liability and you got to have insurance and you got to have a bunch of other stuff and you're still going to charge 60 bucks an hour. You're not going to make it, you know, right. or you're going to struggle your entire life. You know, is that what you, when you, when you decided I want to have my own shop, I think there are, are like four primary reasons that happens. So one is if I have my own shop, I will make all the money. So I, I look at you, Lucas, you own your shop. I don't know what your labor rate is, but let's say it's 150 bucks an hour. And you pay your tech 40 bucks an hour. Well, that means you keep 110. It's all yours. You take it to the bank, right? <laughs> oh, and yeah. So, every, every single dime of that, Cecil, goes right into my bank account and then right back out to somebody else. Yeah. And, and <laughs> with, 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 with maybe, you know, if you're running your business really well, maybe 20% of that sticks to you, right? Right. Yeah. Um, and, and if you're not running your business very well, like most of the people in the automotive industry, maybe 4% sticks to you. So I work my ass off for the whole year. I do a million dollars in business. And at the end of the year, I have my $60,000 paycheck and my truck and my gas and my business makes another 40000 of which I get taxed on the full 100000 So most of the 40 is gone. And I don't have money to fix the roof or to buy that new scanner or to go to the, the classes. Oh, and, and so, you're working 60, 70 hour weeks. Yeah, in, <laughs> in many cases. And, and so... You know, the, uh, this whole mentality of, you know, I'm going to stay cheap and, and they're always going to be the customers out there. They're going to take advantage of that and go to that. But most customers, they're not looking for the cheapest shop in town. They're looking for the shop in town where they feel the best, right? Where they're comfortable, where they think they got a good value. Otherwise, you'd be out of business, Lucas. You'd be gone. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so absolutely. Would, I'd be shut down just like yeah, that. And show with most of the shops that I work with, because most of the shops that I work with, they may start with us at, you know, seventy, eighty dollars an hour, but uh, within a year or two, they're up around one hundred twenty, one hundred thirty, one hundred forty. Um, I have shops that have started with us um, at the as STX. So what was that March? And right. yeah. uh, my guy is going to make almost two hundred thousand dollars more than he made last year. And it's not it's not that we we raised our labor rate that much that that we brought two hundred thousand in. It's a bunch, you know, it's five or six things that we did that, that, that created that money, you know? So, so back to solving the tech problem. I mean, if I can't create an environment where someone can make a decent living in my business, and I'm not talking 50,000 a year, because 50,000 a year today, it don't go far. You know, you're not going to raise, you're not going to send any kids to college on that. Uh, you're not going to be eating steak uh, even once a month on that. Um, we, we have to become profitable. And the only way to profitability is through education. It's knowledge. Knowledge makes you, it gives you what you need to become more profitable. And so we have to reach more than 10%. But I see, I see the fact that there are always going to be some guys, they're going to be the cheap guys. And by the way, I kind of like to have them because when someone comes in at, at my counter and argues with me about my price, I send them to him. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, it's funny because I, I tell my shops to do this. And I actually had a shop owner who said, you know, the guy I've been recommending to these cheap clients who want to provide their own parts, blah, blah, blah. He called me the other day and he said, will you please stop sending those people to my shop? Right? So imagine right. that. 
Um, so, so anyway, my, my idea is, is that we take and, and across the board, if you're 60 bucks an hour, you go to 80 tomorrow. If you're 120, you go to 140. We take a $20 increase. And, and, and by the way, even if we took a $50 increase across the industry, we still wouldn't be where we need to be. So I'm saying we take a $20 increase and, and all the shops that hear this message. And if, if some of them, if 20%, if 30% of those guys actually go back tomorrow and raise their labor rate 20 bucks, how many customers do you think they're going to chase away? Uh, just the what bottom 5% maybe. I doubt it. Frankly, yeah, I mean, we've had, we've had guys raise their labor rate 40 bucks an hour and lose nobody. So let's say you did chase away the bottom 5%. By the way, those are the people that eat your life. They eat your time. They never pay you. They always argue with you. Why do you want them in front of you? Why do you want them at your shop? Okay. I I think the target should be to lose half your customers. The bottom half of your customers generate 5% of your net profit. That's just a rule of thumb. Yeah, 5% of your net profit is generated by the bottom 50% of your customers. But could you so The idea is not to worry about losing any customers. You should be targeting your bottom half of your customers, not the one with potential, and this is just a rule of thumb, but you should be structuring your labor rate in a manner that discourages the bottom half of your customers to even show up or to buy anything from you and be known as yeah, they're expensive. And, and you, David, do you know what happens, first of all, if I tell people to lose 50% of their customers? Do you know what happens when I tell them to lose the bottom 5%? In my experience, they don't listen, and they just keep they doing don't. what they're doing, they're and they keep to bitching. Death. Yeah, <laughs> Shit they're scared to death that if I lose 5% of my customers, I'm going to be broke. We, we, we go in and, 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 you know, we raise our, our rates. If we raise our rate in a shop, you know what happens in a shop where we raise a rate? We get busier. It's the most insane <laughs> yep. thing. Yeah, yeah. That's that's usually what happens. Uh, my guys are are like, you know, I raised my labor rate thirty five bucks this year. I'm like, oh, wonderful. And and you know what, Cecil, we're booked out three weeks, and we we can't keep up with what's going on. And and then you have this other guy down the street that's taking use, you know, putting used parts and and bringing a customer's parts in, and they're busy, but they're not making a living. They're not taking care of themselves. So let's go back and and let's every shop that hears this, let's raise our labor rate twenty bucks an hour. Because frankly, any shop in the United States or Canada today, if they raise their labor rate twenty bucks an hour, might, if they were lucky, lose the bottom one or two percent of their clients. The rest are and and we and and we need to say this because not every customer is uh, equal. Well, not every customer is profitable. Yeah, we have some consultants that are telling you don't lose any customers, don't chase anybody away, no matter what it takes. And and I cannot tell you how much I disagree with that. But let's yeah, let's all raise our labor rate twenty bucks an hour. And by the way, I'm not going to let any shop owner keep any of that money. It's not for them. We're going to take ten bucks of that half, and we're going to put it into our technicians' pay. My A guy goes from forty bucks an hour to fifty bucks an hour tomorrow. We give them a $10 raise, an hour. Now now you have an A technician making $120,000 to $150,000 a year. And by the way, if you're an A technician in this industry and you have what it takes to be an A tech, you should be able to make $120,000 to $150,000. Okay? And we have our, our B tech going from $30 to $40 bucks an hour. So he's going to make $80,000, dollars maybe $100,000. 
And then we have our new guy we bring in. Instead of paying him 18, we're paying him 28. So he can come in and make 50, 60,000 a year right off the bat and be able to take care of his family, pay for his car, get an apartment. Establish roots in the industry. Yeah. And, and until we can do this, we can't attract people from other industries. We're not going to. And the guys that are going to come in this industry and stay are only the guys that love cars. And it's nice to have those guys in our industry. There's a ton of them. But you say, you say that, and I, I, I just imagine David and Lucas like giving each other eyes. Yeah. <laughs> like, did so, he really just say that? Did he say that? Oh, don't worry. I'm going to edit all that out. He's like, he's like I, hope, I hope my text didn't hear that. <laughs> so, so now, I still have $10 left. Now, and by the way, they're not going to get a $10 raise. They're going to get an, a $7 raise, and then $3 is going to be used to pay the taxes and the FICA and the feud and the other crap. So, right, right. So it's a net neutral for me. It's I'm taking 10 bucks from the customer. And I'm giving it to the technician, benefits, taxes, et cetera. And so I, I still have $10 left. I want you to take five of it, and I want you to put it into the benefit package. There are too many shops that are not paying medical or dental. I mean, I had a shop the other day. They don't even have a, a week paid vacation for their tax. Guy's like, yeah, I let them take a week off, but I don't pay them. I'm like, holy crap. And you still have people? I mean, right. Yeah. It is absolutely expected now. I mean, and I think it should be, it should be. I mean, if you want to be a professional in a professional industry, don't you think you should have vacation pay and medical and dental and a, a nice retirement plan of, that's are a we great way to phrase that government to retire, professional. you know, and, yeah. and this has to be a professional industry. It, it, it isn't. And it's not seen that way by the people that are in it, which is unfortunate. Not all, not everybody. You know, I, I hate absolutes. There's a lot of guys like like myself and and you, Lucas and David and and Kent and and other clients that I have that see us as professionals. But there's too many guys that don't see us that way in our industry. Right. Right. And and now I have five dollars left, and I, I haven't spent that money anywhere. We need to create or or go after. And some of the coaches are working with some potential nonprofits that are currently um, doing some of the things that we want done. But what we want is for $5 an hour to go to a nonprofit that has three things that they need to do for us. Number one, they need to market the industry as a viable choice and a good choice for their kids to the parents and the, and the, the young students. I mean, we need our own Got Milk commercials. We need our, <laughs> I agree. Our, we, we need our own, um, I don't know, Ubrevia commercial. You know, come to the automotive industry and and earn a, learn how to earn a hundred fifty and be a professional. We need we need that out there, and we don't have any of that. Okay, so number one, they need to market to 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 moms and dads and potential uh, kids starting in elementary school, and show them how cool it is to work on cars today. And then we need to that same organization needs to create scholarships and mentorship programs where we have um, apprenticeships. So the kids that are in the school are actually working part-time in the school and part-time in the local shop, not only getting the knowledge they need, but at the same time, getting the experience they need. We have too many kids coming out of these programs that are smart as a whip. They know everything about the car, but they don't know what to do. They, they've never really had their hands on a, a car for long enough to get the experience they need. And by the way, if you're a person putting the money into this, you will be the ones mentoring and creating the 
apprenticeship programs. Right. And you'll get first choice of these kids. Do you know that right now we have Weber State up here? Um, Weber State College oh, is, is I, I number hate one I or didn't get two. to see it while we were up there, man. That yeah. That is like, it's so nice. That's the real deal right there. Yeah. And that's where I got my degree. But they have either the first or second number one or number two automotive program in the country, period, bar none. And they have Toyota is is there putting money in, and Toyota has a program. BMW has a program. Ford has a program. You know who doesn't have a program? The independent. independent automotive businesses. Yep. They're not involved. There's no money going in. There's no reason for Weber State to partner up with them. Uh, it ain't happening. And if unless we do that, so guess who gets the choice of the best students coming out of the programs? Absolutely. Ford, BMW, and Toyota. So, and and yet the shop owners are sitting here and excuse me, but we we do a lot of bitching. We drink, we sit over and we talk about how shitty it is and how bad it is and and how you can't find a good tech, but we're not doing anything to fix it. This is the fix. Now, by the way, I got I got a third thing that happens. We create these scholarship programs and uh, apprenticeship programs for these top students coming out, and then they also are are um, the the shops get to hire from this pool of people that we're creating. And by the way, if you don't want to put your five bucks in, don't. The shops that do are going to have their top choice of the of the best pick of the litter, and. That that is my idea because we need to have three things to have people um, successful in the automotive industry. As an individual, you need to have the knowledge and you need to have the experience. As a business, people need to know that this is a great place to work. We need to have good environments. We need to be able to provide tools and training. We need to be able to provide living wages and a real future in the industry. And we need marketing to make that happen. Uh, to attract these students. Otherwise, be quiet. Stop bitching about it because you ain't doing nothing to fix it. And and that's my idea. And pick it apart. I, Tell me why. I, I'm- <laughs> <laughs> so I I love it, right? And and I love the concept that as a whole, we must come together and raise our rates, right? I I don't know if you guys have have heard or I, I was it David Johnson uh David that that started the uh RYR yeah, rates, yeah yeah I mean and and he he started going around to every group like RYR 2020 yeah. RYR 2021 like raise your rates that that's so much of what we face raise your dang rates and and I think there's a lot of fear involved with raising your rates I I completely understand that I I was in that fear spot as well I was afraid of raising my part margins I can understand and, and there's a lot of people. I mean, Cecil, there are a ton of people who say, yeah, but but my demographics. And, oh, and I've, okay, okay. you know, so, uh, hang on. I, got, I just got to <laughs> say something. <laughs> I'm going to write a book. And the name of my book is Cecil, You Don't Understand. Because if I, if I had a buck for every time somebody said, you don't understand, I'm here in Utah and the people in Utah are the cheapest people in the world. Do you know that I have a shop? that we worked with here that has over an $800 average repair order that is going to do over $4 million in business and net 18% out the bottom. I mean, that's phenomenal. And when we got with them, they were doing 2 million and making no money. Right. Okay. So 
and and we're in Utah where you know 50% 45% of the population is mormon and they have been taught to do it themselves okay from birth uh, i know cuz i are one so to speak now now uh guys down in south carolina they say see you don't understand my demographic guys in kansas you know you're right you're not, you're probably not going to be 250 an hour but but holy crap you could probably be 125 instead of 99 um right. You know, uh, guys up in Canada, guys in California, guys everywhere I go, someone says, you don't understand. And in my entire experience, which is now, I don't know, 22, 23 years as a consultant, a trainer in the industry, I've worked with over a thousand shops. And in my entire experience, I have found two shops, two, where I had to tell them, look, you either got to close your business or you got to move your business because your demographic is not going to make you profitable. That's a pretty that's small all. percentage. That, yeah. That's a pretty small percentage. And so, I mean, I, you know, how would one determine that? When when do you say, because let, let, let's just get rid of the myth altogether then, right? Because I, I used to say the same thing. I, yeah. yeah, but that won't work here. I can't charge that here. It won't work. Man, right? that, that it, fear could be alleviated with, with just people taking a basic business class. So I have a, I have a really good client. Um, who is in the Minnesota area. And he believes that you cannot make more than 52% in the Minnesota area on your parts margin. Can't do it. And so they normally do 48, 49, 47 in the high forties. Okay. And I have another shop that is 12 miles from him that I work with. And he gets 59% on his parts margin every single day, all day long. And his customers aren't leaving him. The, the, so what, what's good about ASOG? What's really good about ASOG is you get to know other shop owners. And when five other shop owners say, you know, I was really scared to raise my labor rate, but I raised it five bucks an hour and nobody noticed. So I raised it another five, nobody still noticed. So now I raised it 15 and nobody noticed. And then you go, okay, maybe I could do that. That's what's really good about, about the communication and getting shop owners together. One of the problems is if you're on an island and you think, okay, this is my reality, this is your reality. You, right. You know, I, right. When I meet people, I used to argue all the time. People would say, well, see, so, you know, uh, you, I, I can't do that. And I'd be like, oh, come on, wait a minute. And I'd have a 45-minute a argument. I, I don't argue that much anymore because when I realize you truly believe that you'll never make profit in this industry, then I'm done. Because what you believe is your reality. I mean, I mean I have you a, said it. You were afraid to raise your labor rate, and you did, and what's happened? How many customers did you lose? How many people, other uh, than people in our industry, say you're ripping them off? Right. I, I, I have had the clients who calls me all uh, of the troubles and all of the aggravations and all of the stressors and the ones who constantly beat me up over my heart price and the ones who constantly say that I mess their car up and the ones who constantly just, I mean, it's one thing after another. Those are the ones who will typically come in and say, you charge too much and I can't do this anymore. And they don't come back. And 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 then, (laughs) right. And so I I end up with the clients who appreciate what we do. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, (laughs) I had some, uh, affirmation of that recently and, and we've talked about it on the podcast we made some mistakes with the client and he got really upset 
And it, we, we were wrong, right? Like we wrote an estimate incorrectly. And because we wrote that estimate incorrectly, he went somewhere else and he got bad information from them, but it didn't matter because we had written the estimate incorrectly, right? Yeah. And long story short, what came out of this, when it all got said and done here, um, the, the client says, hey, I just think that you're shady and you did shady stuff. Okay. You know what? I have to accept that because we made a mistake, right? There's nothing I can do about it. That's your business. But I go back and I look at this client's ARO and this particular client in a shop that runs a $875 ARO to $858.75, somewhere in there. And if I go back and look at this guy's, it's 125. Yeah. He's had 13 visits. Right. He's never trusted us. He's never bought anything. He's going to have a problem with what I charge no matter what it is. Yeah. Right. He wants he wants my service. He wants my quality of service, but he doesn't want to pay for it. And that's, well, that's okay. A, we don't go I, to I McDonald's and expect a Wagyu steak. Exactly. Right? We, we, we just don't do it, but we do an automotive. Go ahead, Kent. I'm sorry. I, I have a question, and this is kind of in relation to the uh, main topic here. Um, shops not getting involved, right? If you're living on an island, do you think that, I mean, there's a lot of pressure on business owners in this industry because you guys are techs or used to be techs, a lot of them, vast majority of them. And your value comes from knowing what's wrong and what to fix with a vehicle. Do you think that that same mentality factors into them running a business and, Re, uh, kind of prevents them from wanting to admit that they may have mistakes in their business to seek out how to run their businesses better. I, I, I don't think anybody wants to admit that they made mistakes, no matter what it is. And, you know, right. we're just, we're just human beings. And so it's very hard for us to go, Oh my God, I've, I've been doing this for 25 years and I've never really made a living. And now I'm realizing that I could have done things differently. And over the past 20, and, and I'm saying learn today, because, you know, life's short and you may have another 10 years and you may be able to put a couple of million in the bank for your retirement or you won't if you keep doing what you're doing. Um, I agree with you. I, th I think that's it. But if we don't overcome that as an industry, we're screwed. Yeah. Because yeah. everything else is moving forward. And if we're not, we're, we're in trouble. I mean, like I said in, in the beginning, there's going to be the haves and have nots. There's going to be the shops that have the guy that can fix a carburetor, but there's not going to be no carburetors to fix. Right. You know, there's going to be the, 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 the shop that a guy knows how to put an, an old fashioned water pump on a car, but today's cars, a, a lot of today's cars, the water pump is programmed. And if you don't know yeah. how to do that stuff, I mean, holy smokes, you're, you're, you're limiting what you can do. And there'll, there'll come a point, especially in, in some States where these older cars are going to be, they're going to be aged out completely whether you like it or not. Yeah. And if you don't know the new stuff, you're not going to have anything to work on. I agree. I agree. And, and, you know, I, I think part of what I, I sense when we talk about this, right. When we go back over all this, I, I think about something David said in a podcast last week and he said, technicians are still treated like blue collar. They're still treated uh, like grease monkeys. And, and David, sh share your concept with him. I want to hear Cecil's feedback on the concept of of how you run your shop. I'm, uh, I, I want to see somebody else's perspective in that. David, share it with him. 
My shop is a dumpster fire, let me tell you. (laughs) 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 What's the concept, buddy? Burn it down to the ground today. That's what I wanted to do. But you know what? We ended up with an $8,000 day. I had no idea. That's it. So I was pretty happy. (laughs) Well, yeah. Juan sends me the numbers, and I'm like, oh, well, okay then. Never mind. <laughs> Forget everything I said before. <laughs> That's it. Okay, I don't hate you as much as I did ten minutes I ago, but I still hate you. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I think we got to get past the. I got payroll covered. I, I mean, it's about being profitable for everybody in the business. We got to be able to provide uh, for uh, our pro- employees profits, and their families. Profits from yeah. generate a tax bill, dear. Yeah, I have yeah, no so interest. We don't want to be profitable. We don't. I have oh. no interest in showing a, a dime of profitability at the end of the year. Not a stinking dime. Every penny that I make, Mister IRS, every penny that I make goes back into the business as a one hundred percent justifiable business expense. Well, yeah. Not a dime is spent on me personally that would benefit me outside of the business. Not a yep. dime. Absolutely. So, David, seriously, share share what you were saying the other night. I, I, Listen, I, I was hopped I, up on bangs last week. I'm I'm on my second energy drink tonight. I, I just I don't know. It's hey, something dude, set me, too. me off last week. And and what's that? What do you say? I'm I'm on my second energy drink as well. Is it? Are they bangs? Because this week it's wildling watermelon. I can't. I couldn't do the bang, man. It's too much caffeine. It's not. It's not too though. much it's, caffeine. I know. What is he talking about? It's listen, what, I listen, think it's they, a cup of coffee, and ooh, three hundred milligrams. It's like two cups of coffee. Yeah. Well, so listen, they, I, I right. want to be clear with everybody. They had prescribed to David a very strong dose of Adderall. Okay. Yeah, no doubt. And so it it takes it takes at least six hundred milligrams of caffeine to get him like just on an even keel to where it even makes sense. But I would. Um, I, would I have this. I have this a good percentage uh, of our industry. <laughs> I agree. You you th- you think there's a lot of a lot of ADD in our in our industry? Oh, I think I think our industry is is fraught with ADD guys and ADHD guys and guys that are dyslexic. Um, because the schools in the 70s and 80s and even into the 90s didn't know what to do with those guys. Dude, even the schools today don't know what to do with anybody who has well, the they ADHD. medicate them now. Or, yeah. yeah, they medicate him. My son's got ADHD, and still dealing with the schools right now is ridiculous. I mean, I, well, I had sat down and had a conversation with a district uh, person who oversees the behavioral uh, management for the district, and I was like, "How many kids do you think have ADHD in your system?" And they go, "Oh my gosh, we have so many kids." And I said, "How many? How much training do your teachers receive on ADHD?" And they were like, "Oh my gosh, none. It's insane." And and those kids don't do well in regular academia. But do I can tell you that they're do well do you think in that this they're industry. Being, yeah, but you think they're being over-diagnosed? Yes. Yeah, I, like, I, I, oh, they're, for they're, sure. They're just normal kids. Like Kids bounce off the walls. Like That's what they do. And so they're like, hey, I know you're going to bounce off the wall all day because that's what kids do. They're just balls of energy. Uh, we're going to make you sit and do boring stuff the entire day. And I want to control the teacher's you, like, so here's some drugs. To yeah, and I don't want you being crazy and not listening. And so what we're going to do is we're just going to give you these little pills. You pop them pills, and and it'll be fine. Look, my son I, I had the is, I had the same thoughts until I started to see my son with other kids his age. And I realized that my those son. Those kids are medicated, dear. No, no, no. No, these are normal kids. 
And I didn't realize oh. because I had my own interpretation of, you know, I, I think I might have ADHD. I'm still going through that stuff. Um, I know my dad's been diagnosed with ADHD and my kids got ADHD. And seeing the difference between him and, and regular kids is very apparent. I didn't realize how much he fidgeted. I didn't realize how much he got distracted uh, versus other kids. And then I've got, you know, I've got two other children. Uh, and my four-year-old is now getting into an age where he's a lot more coherent. We can have conversation. And he is so much less wired than my son who has ADHD. It's a, it's a stark contrast. Do, do you know how they, they, they medicated ADHD when I was growing up? They whooped your ass and said, sit in that seat and be in the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so. you just you just muscle your way through it and you get out of like normal school and you're like, okay, I can read and write and I'm good. Yeah, those those and those so who have the, high you, intelligence, high IQ makes it a little easier to manage. Uh, well, you learn you learn um you learn ways to handle it if you you're almost when I was growing up, you you were almost forced to learn ways to handle it. I have my own methods to How'd you handle Kent? He just said he thinks he has ADHD. I can tell you you don't Kent, I beat just him just from our conversations, trust me. Yeah, you I, I don't know. Ass. Look, just like I, I'm kids. just saying <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I got my yeah. ass whooped too. Plenty. I don't I don't I don't uh I, I see I see a little bit in my kids. It's not that bad. I see a little bit but you know, I just say, "Oh, it's it's a little bit of me and my kids," and but, I embrace it. I'm like, "Yes, yeah. suck well, up all that energy," because you know what? Later in life, if you learn how to how to hone it, it. Yeah. yeah, if you know if you learn how to hone it, it's not even like how to manage. It's hone it, hone it, and and follow that Use passion it. of yours, whatever yeah. it is that that you are absolutely obsessed with. Because once follow the dopamine, once you find mm-hmm. that thing is. It, th- this is sort of the beauty of today's in- economic environment and society as a whole is, is like, it doesn't matter what it is that you become obsessed with. My wife is like, my, my kids are obsessed. My son is obsessed with Minecraft. Right. And, and we, there are a lot of kids are obsessed with Minecraft. And my wife's just like, Oh, he loves his video games too much. We need to get him outside moving this, that, and the other. It's like the kid doesn't eat a- anything and he likes video games. So he's going to be like super thin and I guess, like why are you but um, let him get really good at minecraft like who cares if he's really good and he loves to talk he's a yacker so i will sit him in front of that computer and we'll we'll screen capture and talk into this mic and let's go let's do this and you know what yeah there are ways to make money doing absolutely anything i just want them to find what that is that they're absolutely obsessed and you know and that's about that's a that's a conversation I have with, uh, like my my wife's um, siblings are, are a little younger and they're coming into their adulthood, and they were asking me, you know, what do I go? Should I go to college? I I need to go to college, and I said, well, why would you go to college? What are you going to college for? And we'd have those conversations, and what I always end up telling them is like, look, I don't care what you do, do something that you're passionate about, but at least, at least know how to make it profitable for yourself. If you're well, do video college games, has nothing yeah, to do with that. Eighty no, percent of no, 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 but it holders. does though. No BS. Eighty percent of diploma holders are out of whatever field they got their diploma in five years after being out of college. And so what they do? They got in a completely different field doing something completely different, and all they did was racked up hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars in student loan debt. The, like it was a origi- waste of time. I have. <laughs> it was have, a waste of time. The original I have two degrees, and 
I have not made money off of what I what I got my degree. There you go. I made, That's so I made weird money because of my business experience. That's no, I but college money. used to be college used to be about that. It was about putting in the forties. Uh, Where oh. have you been the last fifty years? It's, <laughs> it is useless. It is entire. Look, you want to be a doctor and you're obsessed with being a doctor. Go fine. You gotta you gotta go to college. You want to be a lawyer. It was it was about the time it was about the time that the the higher educations got all that government money and they put it into marketing that things turned sour. No, because no, I I disagree because even even a, even before all of the government government money got in there, like what were you getting a degree in? Well, but that's like, a whole other podcast, guys. I mean, you're right. <laughs> I agree with you 100. percent I I I think that many people. I mean. Can I, I think you, you wanna... understand us here. This is oh yeah, dear yeah. dear. This is this podcast is like this. It's like hey, we're talking about uh, bananas, and then Dave comes in with his oranges and starts chucking oranges at everybody, and then uh, Lucas uh, like times out because he's like, uh, no, I'm done talking. Click. Did, the bang see, hits, so I just want to. We're good just, to go. I just want to point out. I just want everybody to understand. I warned each and every one of you. There is a email that goes out to all podcast guests before they come on the podcast. I'm okay. I can clearly state I can I can do it. Listen, it clearly states that David has a severe case of ADHD. Please do not become offended or upset when he goes on a rampage. Okay. But think but think about think about this. There are so many things in this industry that that are good. There are places where you can make a decent living. I mean Fifteen years ago, my techs were making a hundred, hundred twenty thousand dollars, and my service advisor making a hundred grand, and the owner of the shop was making eighteen thousand uh, or eighteen percent, and I was taking home two hundred fifty thousand a year. So there's money to be made in this industry, but not if you don't learn how to run your shop correctly, and not if you're afraid, frankly, to raise your price and have a reasonable price and make a reasonable profit. I don't. I don't think everybody should go. To I, college. I think to your, I'm a thousand percent there. I, I and, think your and, your obsession with numbers is uh, is deeply disturbing to me. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. It's not. Look, I think it's relative to where you live. I, do I pay my guys six figures? I do not pay my guys six figures. But but it's not important to me necessarily to pay them X amount because it then no, becomes I, a I, giant. I, I agree with you. I'm not. I'm not saying that you. I mean, I lived in. I was running a shop in California in the Bay Area. Well, there you go. See, well, there you go. I mean, today it, it turns into more. a it it turns into a winky measuring contest, and and just bro, my God, it's like who cares, dude? I, however, need to structure my business in a manner that attracts and keeps talent because in the future, and this is my opinion. Tell, what the hell do David, I know, David? Tell me how to do that if I can't provide a good environment for them and good pay wherever I live. That no, is, I, that I is, agree with you, but it does. The that the you're, you're, okay. uh, I, you need to, in in my opinion, again, and I don't know anything, but I'm just saying, in my opinion, you need to not focus on the number because it's not. It's relative to where you live. It's relative to the person I, too. Somebody percent. with a family of four is going to have different financial needs than a, than a single guy living at home. But I can, now, but I can that doesn't tell mean you that, that you that need should to. not play at all in what we pay people. You should be paid based on your skill set and what you can do. 
Not Whether or not you have a you family or have four single No, adults. absolutely. Oh, that's that's such BS. No, 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 no. I, I completely 100% disagree with you. There is a number. There is 100% a number that makes you whole. That's what Lucas says. And I've, I've taken that and I've internalized it. And it is part of my being now. How do I make you financially whole? Now, what does that look like? That looks like I want to make sure you own a home because so, the, the, so the on. one number one, hold on, number on. one means of acquiring wealth in this great country of ours is what? Having a home. Owning real estate. So you need so, to own a home. So how do we get there? Okay, what else? We need to make sure you have retirement. We got to make sure that we are expanding your place within your career and this industry as a whole. What does that look like for you? Everybody's I don't different. disagree with that one bit. Then who cares about the number? Tell me this. If I'm a single guy that decided not to have kids, you're going to pay me less because I don't have that. Oh no, no, on me? it's not a less. It's not a more. It's a what do I need to get to so screw to the make number. you financial? Who cares? Yeah, screw the number. That's what I'm saying. Right? What? Where do but, I need to get you to get you whole? But what's and the, what's also the, you being a single guy? Let's talk about what the next five years looks like. Is that going to be marriage? Is that going to be kids? Maybe what, not. Yeah, but if you're 22, yeah, that's a no because you don't know what the hell's going on. If you're 30, my first the conversation shifts. Okay, well, you Utah, like you guys have nothing else to do but that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, just well, saying. That's a generality saying, that's not necessarily <laughs> true. I'm just saying. As a as a as a a young guy, look, I had didn't have my. By first the way, I'm till, I'm uh, not LDS. We have too so. many, David. We have too many guys who own and run shops or or start their own business that have no clue about how to make a profit in that business. And that is a major problem in our industry. Okay? And you have lots of coaches and consultants like myself who have myriads of free material, podcasts. So um, there's no excuse. etc. that they can go onto our website and get free classes. Yeah. And take free stuff. And they're still not going there. How do we reach those guys? Because as long as those guys, there's no reaching them. They need to go out of business. Rest. Okay. So what we need to and do, and the way I'm going to make sure they go out of business is I'm going to steal all their techs. So yes. they're going to be left and not only without technicians. You're going to do that because you provide a good environment for those techs. A good environment, good pay. The, the, whatever the pay, that is. The the okay? pay is relative. The number doesn't matter. That's all I'm saying. The number doesn't matter. Look, like right now, I have a tech. I buy tools for. That's his thing. He wants to learn how to do, Great. like, smart. play with bits. Well, guess that's what? That's smart. So buy okay. bits for him. Who cares? Well, that's what I'm doing. I'm buying him yeah. bits. So if I took all of what I spend on him yearly on training and tools, plus his salary, plus what I contribute to his retirement, because that's part of the conversation. What is this going to look like in 2025 years? My goal is for you to, at 55, to be a millionaire. That's yep. part of our culture in our shop. And, I want and, you at 55, a millionaire. So what does that look like? How much are you contributing before taxes, after taxes? All right, David, combination so of for, both. For, for purposes of our conversation, forget that I mentioned a number, okay? <laughs> Just forget Everybody that I said. Everybody gets hung up on the number, though. It's not about the number. It's, well, it's good, an example. As long as you said it. So, so it's I can about take that attracting snippet. people to our business and saying this it's, is it's, a place where you can be a professional and get paid like a professional. Uh, That's uh, all it is. And, well, and I, I don't care what the number is. The number paid, in California like is going to be wage. different than the number in Arkansas. Okay? Yeah. So it, it, who cares what the number is? I need to have a, an environment where where people come in and they see a future and they have a good place to work that's clean and 
well lit and has okay the let's tools talk about that then the what's education. the future what's the future mean you're not going to move up in an organization i have i have two two itty bitty shops like what are you going to move me? up come to come on dude come on dude you your 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 tech's going to learn new things they're going to work on 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 more advanced cars as as time goes by they're going to earn more money because they're going to we're going to be charging more I mean, and and they're going to keep up. We just got off the number thing. Don't don't worry about the don't worry about the what they're earning. <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> got, Come on, we, we you cannot that. say that money doesn't matter to people. Money matters. Maybe, maybe it matters All not. It doesn't way. matter to you, but it matters to people because it's 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 what provides their freedom. It's what provides their lifestyle that they want to live. No 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 no. I, I think yes this point, yes though, to is a certain arbitrary. degree. No, it, it is arbitrary, but if this is about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Let's knock off the bottom stuff. Let's move up the chain. That's all I'm saying is, is there's going to be but a I number for everybody. I can't everybody. knock off the bottom stuff if I don't know that I'm going to be able to pay my bills. That I understand that. And so that's a number. That is finance. a number. That is a number. But I'm just telling you, it, like it, for, it's very rare that it's $100,000 for a guy in Kansas City. It's not. It's, it's just that's. At $100,000, it's because you have moved into a house way bigger than what you need, and you're driving something ridiculous, and you've racked up a bunch of credit card debt. But you don't, uh, and you don't no, no, that's that. Been, that's I mean, in the minutiae, man. That's, in the industry. That's no, the that's, that's, that's what ends have, up happening. They're, they're you have too big, and they blame the owner. Th- th- again, again, that's a conversation to have. I don't want you to have a giant tool bill. Or if you do want to have a giant tool because you insist on having That's your own to tools, you. it's, it's okay. It's not my decision. But this is part of the conversation. You are you are separating the employee from the business, and it's just, hey, you just work here. Let me throw the number, no, the, the dollar no, amount at no, you. No, but I'm that's not. what it sounds don't, like. Don't simplify what I'm saying. Don't put it in my mouth that I'm not saying. I'm just okay. telling you that that the perception. I'm talking about a future. I'm talking about a future with the business, even if I'm just going to be, quote, unquote, a, a, a tech here. A future is a successful business that can provide me a financial future, a future for myself. What? But that's I want my point, though. My that the, the conversation moves past. I'm just going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars. Well, that's what no I'm saying. No one is saying that's it. I'm saying that's. I never part said of it. that. So, it's, so of course, I'm it's part saying of it. I'm going to cut. I'm going to cut in here because <laughs> David, what I think you're getting hung up on is that my dad has been saying certain amounts, numbers, hundred, hundred twenty thousand, whatever. Yes. But it is relative. Your business should have a certain margin of profit, and you should be investing a certain yes, amount my, in their wage. However, the business is not beholden to say, hey, this guy has four kids, this guy doesn't. I'm going to pay the guy that has four kids more. It shouldn't be based on that. It should be based on what the the employee can do for the business, what you contribute. In guess, my employees yes, feel but, like they're but, a part of the company, and they are a part of my company. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm not. I'm not trying to to disparage anything you're saying here. I'm playing. You're getting hung up on 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 very specific numbers. By the way, I'm not getting worked up. I'm just. (laughs) I'm just talking the opposite. To discount the whole argument. What you do? No. 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 I'm not discounting absolutes on purpose to see who you can piss off. (laughs) And and not David. Hey. No. 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 I'm trying. I'm trying. You're. You're. You're trying to make oh, that David argument. Never had I know exactly what like you that, do. And he just unraveled on, on air, man. He uh, just completely I, unraveled. Am, am I speaking in absolutes? Yes, kind of. Yeah. But I'm just saying. <laughs> you they, always do. The, or you almost let, always let me, do. Let me break it down. Let me break it down Absolutely. like this. Let me break it down like this. Hold on. Hold on. Let me break it down like this. Uh, a tech walks in the door, uh, has a wife, 
two kids and a mortgage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Raw dollars, raw dollars. They're going to need X amount of dollars for them to be whole financially. Okay. Absolutely. And then Absolutely. they're going to need retirement and then they're going to need X, Y, and Z additional. The, and what's important to them. Different people, even it, with the same, even with the same, uh, income needs, it will be different for different people because different people have different priorities. Uh, yes, what, but what a, turns a them single on, what makes them hold comfortable on. is different. Yes. So hold on, hold on. A single guy comes in. He is not interested in the mortgage. He's not interested in in the family vacations. He doesn't have a family. So what interests that technician? It could be training. It could be a, a side hustle that can be integrated into the business. There are other things that attract that person uh, and, and make them excited. And we need to find a way to integrate that into the business. This is just so the I'm, way I run I'm, my business. What, I'm not telling David? you that this is good, bad, or indifferent. What I'm I am, by the way, you're right. And that, you're hold on, hold right. on, hold on. Let me, let me finish the thought here. And that means do, in raw dollars, that may be a lower salary than what the other guy needs, but it might total be a higher compensation, salary. total compensation will end up being about the same. And that's Dad, all I'm saying. To talk to you. It might be a higher salary because it depends on the person. <laughs> Total compensation. It might all be about ego. We got hey, guys uh, out there yeah. that come in and they oh, think okay. they need to be the highest paid guys. Uh, they don't, they don't work for good. me. Yeah, they okay. don't work for well, me. Well, great. Great. Dad, that's I need to fine. talk to you about um, making me whole. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I got your hole. It's a size, I have a size 14 to put up your hole. Oh, and I got recorded so, every second that yes, I got recorded. Do, <laughs> I'm so just, it's, it's I'm different looking every, at but, total, but total by the way, compensation. By the way, David, David, it goes back to, is the business profitable so that I can provide each person with what they need? To be to feel I mean, whole, yeah, okay, and feel great. complete. If you want to call okay. it profitable, I am just saying sure. that if you call it profitable, absolutely, the IRS comes, comes sniffing. If, uh, however, okay, you say so, I need to so generate enough your money revenue, you hide your money. I'm not hiding anything. Care. That would be illegal. I'm just saying. Yeah. The, sure, <laughs> it's, like it's on. It's on record. I I'm not hiding any money. <laughs> I'm not. So you, a dime. you spend your I'm money how you want to spend so, it. So you're going to die on the hill. The business. The business. The business has to generate enough revenue to make your team whole. Yes. Yes. And absolutely. and and provide a financial future for the employees. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah, their yes, families. Everybody. Everybody. The absolutely. owners. Anyone that's and and it has to provide exceptional service to the client. Yes. Okay. The clients have to get their. It, it is a stool. They have to get their value really out of what you're stool. charging them. They absolutely have to, yes. and they David, can't do that if you have unhappy employees. Um, I've gone in businesses where the employees spent 10 minutes telling me why the place sucks and why they don't get paid. You know, you can't have good client service when your people feel that way about your company. Yeah. And, okay. and the, the second that somebody says it's, I'm not getting paid enough, then that, that shop owner hasn't sat down and said, we need to make sure you're whole. Yeah. And, and, and they haven't taken that into consideration because, because think about this. Uh, I got, I still, I know Lucas is still there cause he breathed a few times. That's it. Um, the 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 shop owner has to be able to make the employees whole, and the shop owner has to feel comfortable financially, whether you like the word or not, in order to be able to provide the things for the person that that they need to provide. Now, some of that's not necessarily financial. It might be, hey, let's have a beer after work, and and because that's what 
that's what makes you feel comfortable, right? But a lot of it, I mean, I got to buy the beer. Um, I got to, I got to be able to have uh, uh, some time away from my family. I got to be able to provide that employee or that potential employee with things that make them feel like they're successful and make them feel comfortable, whatever that is. Yes. And, and I better spend some time not only figuring out what that is with my employees, but figuring out how I can do that in my business. And by the way, Maslow's hierarchy needs, if I'm an owner who's still in the bottom quadrants, how do I do that with my employees? Ooh. I can't. And how do I get out of the bottom quadrants? By having oh, a business absolutely. that I feel successful. Hey, in. can I ask Whether you guys feel profit part, for the IRS or of, not? <laughs> what the, the, all I'm saying is like change the wording to revenue. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> why why but, you gotta die on that hill? Profit is profit. By the way, revenue doesn't Whether or not you're gonna redis- redistribute it into the shops, business or <laughs> there are too many what? shops in the United States making <laughs> revenue but not making profit. David. And there are too many guys in our industry that think busy and revenue makes them them successful and they don't have the profit they need to provide why why is profit such a bad thing why why do we have this mentality that that it's it's evil for businesses to be profitable they're supposed to be profitable they're supposed to be profit after you do the service so that you can reinvest it's not it's yeah it's not evil so so why would then why treat it that way but and that's recorded David said that. You heard it, Lucas, right? <laughs> I heard it. I okay. heard it. <laughs> I, I, it it's, if, if your focus is on net, look, I'm just, you guys have to understand that we're. What about GP? Is gross profit not profit? We're, guys. We're, what's that? I have to leave in about 10 minutes. So okay, He's got, got his minutes. bedtime. So <laughs> I have to take <laughs> my daughter out to I'm just saying that the if you're focused and and you got to remember that from a a shop owner that's sitting in ASOG reading these reading these replies reading these posts, some shop owners die on that net that net operating profit number and and they'll they'll the continue other to die, die on, on that until they figure it out. Don't and, die on it. Fix your business. Get help. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I'm just I'm saying like that like they don't they don't look at. Uh, gross revenue because they're not generating a lot of gross revenue. So they're like, oh, NOP, NOP. Okay, great. So your NOP is 25%, no, 30%, you, you 35%. You, you have to have both. I'm sorry. Yeah, you got to have both. You, you, yeah. you can't have you NOP if you don't have uh, revenue. And some of these guys generate net operating profits because one of the things we talked about last week was they, they cut corners in expenses within the business. Yeah, you can't do that either. You can't. So provide a good service and charge what that service is worth. I can't, we, we have a, we have a, our pillars here. And one of our pillars is everyone has to win. I I will not work with a shop owner that's screwing the customers. I will not work with a shop owner that's not taking care of the employees. What about a shop owner that screws his vendors? Either way. I'm, I'm one of the first guys to talk about, look, find a good vendor and pay them. Because what, what you need is, is quality parts at your facility at the right time. And if you can get that and you use a parts matrix, it doesn't matter, frankly. It doesn't matter what you pay for it. Yeah. No. So well, the, the does, shop owner calling. Yeah, but, at, but it does. The, the shop owner spending 10 minutes to, to beat up the time. vendor Quit. A, B, Stop. and C. Yeah. Stop. For, for another 10%. And the first coach that teaches you to go online and find cheap parts so you can bring the price down so you can keep that crappy customer that wants a cheap thing, walk away. Run, don't walk away from that guy, run away from that guy. <laughs> 
And if you've got to eat something, just eat it and make enough money on everything else that you eat whatever. You're in this business, you're going to eat something at some point. Absolutely. There are coaching companies that teach their shops that you beat up that vendor to try to get that dollar amount taken off or get it for free or whatever. And you're just, all you do is say, hey, I buy $25,000 a month in parts from you, and that's going to go away if you don't give me this free water pump. Yeah, and that's BS. Uh, we, we have to stop that as an industry. We have to realize they have to make a, by the way, what happens when we go online and we buy our parts online and, and the, the, the NAPAs and the World Packs and the companies that are supporting all of this great education disappear from our industry? Yeah. Oh, okay. man. Now what? Now what do we do? Because Everybody wins. Is a fantastic yeah. pillar. That's going to be the it new is. tagline for the the podcast. We Lucas. have we have four others, so you can talk again about those. But, uh, <laughs> I got to drop off here. So, all right, all guys, right. have a good did, night. Did we get the Did we get the point across about? I, I think no, so. No, I, I think if if I, we get the point and everything's settled, they don't listen to the following week. We leave dude, them. They'll hanging. listen to this. They'll. Li- but by the way, they'll listen to this. So. <laughs> I think they're going to enjoy the 30 minutes for sure. <laughs> the yelling? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wasn't yelling. I, I, I was, you have I to was, yell if anybody's going to hear he, you over he hasn't. Yeah. He hasn't yelled yet. I was, being, I was being stern. You haven't heard me yell. Just so you know. <laughs> That's what I tell yeah, my I'm wife. I'm still smiling. I'm like, I'm, like oh. I'm animated. I'm not yelling. Why do you think I'm, I'm yelling? Passionate. I'm just animated. I'm pa- Yes, passionate. I tell you that all the time, too. I'm passionate. <laughs> yeah. So shut up. Leave me alone. Right? I'm going to be passionate. That's who I am. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the ASOG podcast. Before I let you go, I need to ask you a question. Are you using the best innovative shop management system in the country? If you doubt that you are, why are you making your life harder? Shopware stays one step ahead of everyone else by bringing a clean, easy-to-use program unlike anything else on the market. Go to GetShopware.com and see what I mean today. That's GetShopware.com. Check it out. Thank you for listening to the Changing the Industry podcast. If you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And don't forget to set it to automatically download the latest episode. Our efforts with this podcast, the YouTube channel, and the Facebook group wouldn't be possible without the support of our awesome sponsors. So please take a moment, check them out by clicking on the links in the show notes.